Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Megan Gilger. Welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome to the podcast today, friends. I promised that today would be story time, and that is exactly what we're going to be doing today. So I have been asked a lot lately about just the process of purchasing land, owning land, and building on it. And I I wrote a post probably back when we first purchased the land, but I realized that there wasn't everything in it that I felt like we needed to talk about. And I kind of wanted to use this podcast as both an opportunity to tell a story, but also to kind of just identify what it means to do this, like to actually purchase land and ultimately like have this responsibility because I think it's really easy to get like, it. I think it's part of the like American way is to identify ourselves as this I guess identify ourselves as making it in some way if we have land under our feet that has our name on it, but which is fine, I guess, in some ways. But what I want to tell, like, say is what I have also learned about what it means to own land because it is not about this identity thing, it is not about making it to me, it's so much more. And so we're going to touch on that and maybe it'll intertwine with the story some too, but I'm just going to go for it. I'm not really, I'm working, there is a blog post with this one, but it's a much more like bullet pointed, like 
information. There's an overview of our story, but I would say it's not as like robust as what this is. And within that blog post also, I gave like the list of things that we were looking for, which I'll kind of touch on. And then, and then also like things we learned along the way, which I think is helpful if you are thinking about land, whether it's here in Leelanau County or in Northern Michigan or anywhere in the world or country. Um, obviously I don't know anything about buying land in other countries, but you know what I mean? It it gives you an idea of what are some things you might, that surprised us, you may want to look into as well. Um, and then also I had our wonderful realtor, Hillary, who's a dear, dear friend of mine. We've known each other for, oh my gosh, I think 11, 12 almost years, which is crazy to think about, but she is a realtor and she's incredible. And she works for a great group of realtors as well. So if she can't help you, she knows somebody who can. And if you're here in Leelanau, but she also gave some tips and things that I think were are helpful. So you can catch all that in the blog post in the show notes. But today we're going to talk about the responsibility of land ownership and also the story of how we landed here. Because it's kind of not, it's not just like we decided to buy land. It's a lot longer than that. And I think when we look at something like even on Instagram or whatever, we see this picture of somebody like this box of somebody's life. And we don't realize there is this deeper level of that box. Like there is a story that goes way past that box. And it's really easy to, you know, compare or desire something, but not totally realize that there's something far more there. And I think that's my beef with things like Instagram and HGTV and anything that just like shows this like completed picture of something because that picture has layers that are unseen to the, to the eye in that situation. And I kind of think about it like a, a painting, like I think it, I'm going to, I'm totally losing my art history here, but here's Rembrandt who layered his paintings. And there were all these parts of his paintings that were not visible when you saw the finished product. And so we always talk about the destination, like the finished product. But the thing is, is that there, the journey to where we are going and where we want to be is equally as important and maybe even more so and and honestly, it's even better sometimes than destination. Because even moving in to this house, it felt like a destination, but there was still so much work to do. And there's still so much to do. Um, I have many rooms that are not decorated or done. And that sounds silly after living in a house for four years, but I I just I just don't want to push things. You know, I think I take things as they come and I don't feel ready to. So, but that kind of gets at my like perfectionism and I'm, you know, so much of my life is visible 
in many ways to the public in that way. But it's also why I feel a lot of pressure to do it, but I try not to carry that because those things don't define me, right? (laughs) You're getting my like inner workings and thoughts here. But all that to say is that I love hearing stories of how people arrived where they are because it tells that those underlayers that we don't see initially when we look at a photo and we think, gosh, I want, I want that. Or why don't I have that? Or when will I get there? So all that to say, we're going to tell that story today. So this all begins back when Mike and I got married. And this is extremely vulnerable to talk about because it's very personal, but I think you guys will appreciate it. So I have this thing, I've had it throughout my life where I will have dreams and I know these dreams when I have them, that they are realities. And I am not like not in the present reality, but in a future reality. And there was this one that I had, (laughs) Mike and I had just been married and we had only been married for like six months. And we, I don't remember why, but we were staying at my parents' house because it wasn't when we had moved there yet. Uh, Cause eventually we moved into their house during the recession or when they couldn't sell their house yet and they needed to move away. And so we lived in my parents' house and rented it from them. But anyways, that's pointless. Basically in the dream, we drove up this hill And it was in the fall, it was chilly, and we were in a truck specifically, I remember it, and we (laughs) drove up this hill around this corner, and when we got to the top of the hill, there was a house being built. And it was at that stage where it's covered in Tyvek, and it's not, you know, it's all framed in and weatherproofed, but the windows aren't in, like, you know, it needs some work still. (laughs) And so... We came up and then Mike got this little boy out of the truck and we walked up to the house and I remember holding his hand, he had a little coat on and I told him, do you want to go see where your room is? And we walked into the house up like construction stairs into the house and I woke up crying because not out of sadness but because it felt so real and all I wanted to do was go back there. And at that moment, I think, you know, I'm 23 years old and far from thinking about having children, honestly, but it felt like such a deep desire that I, I, I was like, this has to happen at some point, right? Like it felt so deeply real that I felt like I looked into my future. So fast forward, we get pregnant in 2015 and I'm, I don't know, 20, 28, 29 years old. So six years, really five years later, and we're living in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I have Hayes and we start talking about moving. We think about going to Austin because Mike's parents live near there. 
we're talking about a lot of different things, but we're still going back to Michigan all the time, even though we're living in North Carolina. And we were headed there when just before summer, I think it was in June, we were planning after Hayes was born to go up and spend three months in Michigan with my parents, mainly so we could get some help with Hayes because we had no family in North Carolina. And he was very busy um, and working at, like we were self-employed, working for ourselves. And so it was like, okay, we need help. But when we were driving or I flew up there, Mike drove up there. And when we got up there, I started like really having this issue with like thinking about moving to Austin. Things didn't feel right. We had gone and like even looked at land outside of Austin. None of it felt right. We, it it just, we couldn't, it, you know what it means like to like walk into something and you're like, this is right. We just weren't getting that feeling. We were excited about it, but we weren't getting that feeling. And so it just felt weird. And so when we came back to Michigan that summer, we just told ourselves we were going to think about it and everything. But then I started talking about talking to Mike and, um, I was like, you know, I just, I feel like we should just start looking at maybe getting something here, you know, because we were spending so much time in Michigan anyways, because we always knew we wanted to spend summer here, but we didn't want to spend time. I like, we didn't totally want to move there because we were like, I didn't initially like winter. So I was like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do all that. And with a kid, and it just seems like a lot. Clearly, I've changed. But I was like, okay, let's try it. Like, let's just see what we can find. And this was in 2016. And so our friends had offered to let us stay at this their house that they weren't living in at the time. And so we came up for two weeks to Traverse City. And we were hanging out with all our friends and just having a great time going out to restaurants that we hadn't been to. And Mike and I both were like, man, this just feels like home. Like, and granted it had been, um, before we moved to North Carolina, we had lived in Traverse city back when there was no nightlife. There was no like anything. If you were out at night, you were like, whew, you were in another world. So we were definitely like Traverse City had home to it, you know? So, I mean, so many of our friends were here and anyways, so we were at the farmer's market. We were doing all this stuff. Everything felt right. And I was just like zooming on Zillow and this piece of land popped up. I think it'd been on for like 25 days, something like that. And I was like convinced maybe it's not even available, but it looks really cool. And the pictures were dreamy. And I was just like, okay, like, let's give it a go. And it was in our budget that we, we had been pre-approved in general for land because we were looking at Austin. So we were just like, okay, well, we already know that we have money for a land mortgage. So we went and started, and we just like drove out there one day and it wasn't that far from Traverse City, like 15 minutes Hayes had fallen asleep in the car. And so it was like, well, we're driving anyways. Let's go look at that land. And we drove out and we're like starting to climb up the driveway. And it was like deja vu. 
it was the weirdest thing. Like I, I felt like I was living in that dream. And we got out of the car. Hayes is still sleeping at the top of the hill. And so oddly, I never took photos of this moment and I wish I had, but, and we stood up there and I told Mike, I was like, this is it. Like, we need to buy this. And he was like, wait, like it, it. And I was like, yes, this is, this is the dream. Like this is it. And I remember just like being really overwhelmed with emotion in that moment because it felt like my, my purpose, my destiny was that land. And I had no real, I have been asked this, like, did you have a vision when you bought your house or built your house and like all this stuff that like you would be talking about gardening and like you had this whole vision? I did not. I really didn't. I knew that I wanted to grow a garden. I'd always had that. And it was definitely on our list of things, but I never anticipated that it would be my business. And because I think what happened though, is that that dream was showing me the beginning of what would be my purpose and my future. And so Anyways, what happened following that just solidified that because what happened was we put in an offer and there was another bid on it as well. And we had a land mortgage. We were not coming in with cash. The other buyer had cash. So we were like, oh gosh, we've gone through this before. After buying our house in Raleigh, we lost nine homes in Raleigh to cash buyers. So we were like, we're screwed. And (laughs) we were completely convinced it wasn't going to be ours. And then we put in a full price offer and the woman accepted. And that was that. So we went under contract on the land. And then at that point we were like, okay, so what are we going to do? Like, and we had no urgency. Like there was no, we're going to build now. Like tomorrow we didn't even have a builder. Thankfully my dad is a licensed contractor I grew up with him building things and he designs homes and things like that. So he was like, you know what, let's just start working on some ideas and, you know, see where we get to. Well, homes are very expensive and we'll talk about that another day. But what we did start (laughs) thinking about was like, okay, maybe we'll just like build something small on one of the lower areas of the land because it was 10 acres now we have 15 because we purchased another adjacent property this year, this last year during the pandemic that some that our neighbor was selling. And we're very excited to have all of that together. But I, I was like, you know, we could just maybe build something we could enjoy in the summer. And then it eventually could be a guest house. We move up here full time. And so we talked about that, which was a great idea. The only thing was is like life had a different option for us because the same week we went under contract on our on our land I received an email now mind you we Raleigh's market at that time was crazy I don't know what it's like now but we had a house in an up and coming neighborhood in the downtown area within the inner circle 
of Raleigh and it, it it's a great area. So it was, and it had a unique thing, a garage. <laughs> so we, we use it as our studio and you can see photos of that. I can link to that, but you can see our original house and some of that backstory there if you would like to. But basically it was a hot property. It was on a corner. It, it had a pretty good size lot. Like, so anyways, we had not like told people we were thinking about moving, but there was definitely like an obvious discussion with fr- some close friends that like we were thinking about it in the next couple of years. So I received an email through the blog from a realtor that was asking us if we'd be willing to sell our home. And if we were, because she had an interested buyer and I was like, well, I don't know. Like <laughs> I hadn't thought about it, like really thought about it. And Mike's like, sure, let's try. So we contacted our own realtor that helped us buy our home. And the tricky part was, is we had not been in there a full two years. And so, which means if we sold it before that two year mark, we would have to pay capital gains on that property as if it was income and it wasn't intended to be an income property for us. So we didn't want to pay that if we didn't have to. And, you know, we're always as business owners, like we're very, very hyper aware of taxes. And so we both decided that we weren't going to do that. And so I was like, you know, let's just pitch him. The realtor said, just pitch him something outrageous. And Mike gave him a number and he was like, that's pretty outrageous. He was like, but worth it. The market's kind of intense right now. Let's see what happens. Cause there wasn't a lot on the market and there was a lot of demand. A lot of people were moving to Raleigh. There was a big influx of people with the tech hubs and stuff like that. So we were like, why not? And so we put it out there and she came back and countered a thousand dollars under what we asked. And we both were shocked, completely shocked because we one never expected to get that out of that house. Our realtor didn't expect us to get that out of that house, but the market was totally fine with it and everything went through and was great. Eventually (laughs) that's a, the move is a story for another day, but it was just this solidifying thing, you know, that this was what we were intended to do. And I just remember like uh, grabbing lunch with our friends that we had stayed at their home and we were telling them this whole thing and they were like, well, yeah, you sell the house and then you move here. And we're like, yeah, but where do we live? And they were like, well, we have this other house. Like we don't live in it half the year. You live there and then we want to be out there. We'll just switch back and forth if you guys are okay with that. And we were like, yeah, because we were planning to sell all of our furniture, everything anyways. And that was like, okay, now we have a place to stay. Our house is under contract. We have this land. This is meant to be like, there's no, nothing felt difficult. Like there was no hunt for a rental. There was no gap between here and there. Everything was perfect. And even the the buyer of the house was okay with closing a few days after we originally two years, the date exactly two years after so that we didn't have to pay capital gains. And like everything was great. And there weren't 
that many issues with the house that we had to deal with, with selling it. It was crazy. The only challenging part was the move. But like I said, that's a story for another day and not (laughs) something for this. But what I think is the craziest part in all that is just that how much that land, this land where we are now was intended to be entrusted to us. And I say entrusted because this is where we get into that responsibility thing. Because when we bought the land, I think we had this idea of like, this is our dream. This is our vision, which is true. But then when I started walking the land and being on the land, I started realizing that when I signed my name on those papers and I started owning that land as like, this is mine, I started realizing the absolute deep responsibility of what it is to have land and the privilege. So I started walking the land, getting to know the land, and we did that anyways in order to set our build site, things like that. But the longer I was out here, the more I realized how much responsibility was sitting on our shoulders by living out here. And that may sound funny, but I started realizing that when I signed those papers, there was a commitment that I made. And it wasn't just a commitment to myself or to Mike or that I was going to pay this property or, you know, do something with it or whatever. It was a responsibility to the history, the landscape, the ecosystem. It was tying me into a deeper sense that I think we forget when we're thinking about land. And I started doing a lot of research and learned that the land in all of Leelanau County was still technically is the shared hunting grounds of the Adawa and Chippewa tribes. And that made me really like sit back and like, think about that, like hunting grounds shared. This was a, in that time, particularly it was in, it was a space of connection of sharing what we have, um, fertility of land and abundance and reciprocity of that connection to one another. Because for the Adala and Chippewa to decide that they were going to share hunting grounds, that's a big deal. And to think that this was an area that was used that way, it. I'm still sitting with that because when I look at it, I just, I knew that whatever we did here, we needed to uphold that concept, that this land needed to be better. We needed to protect the ecosystems in which we're on, protect the water that we, that resides under our land, that now we have a natural spring to, you know, And I started just realizing it was why we didn't cut down trees when we built, we specifically chose a spot and that we didn't, we wouldn't cut anything down. And in fact, it was really wonderful. Our whole hilltop was all invasive species. So, um, some of which were native, but invasive. And so there's a mix. So anyways, it, it was, a. It's been really interesting to 
meander that. And I think that has only grown on me in depth and that responsibility, that sense that sure, my dreams, <laughs> literal dream brought me here in some way. And then life played out in another that other way. But the sense of connection that I feel now and realizing that maybe there was a deeper, like the the land kind of called to us in some way, knowing how it would thrive. And I look at it now compared to what it was when we moved or even like before we built, because I think building is, it, it was hard sometimes on me because I felt like I was harming things more than I was helping. And we didn't have the money to do the super environmental things that we wanted to. And there, it just wasn't as possible for us financially to do it the way we initially thought. But when I look now at everything here, four years after we moved in, really almost six years since we bought the land, this land is better already. The amount of birds, and I've seen the most insane birds this year that I've never seen before on our land. And I totally think that it's because of everything we're continually doing. And we have a list of native or invasive plants to take out every spring. We are always planting more trees. And so this land now has more trees than it did when we moved here. There was none that were taken away. We're only building upon what already exists. And I look at all the different ecosystems as I wander the land at different points in the season. And I realize that there's so many amazing things happening that I don't have to do anything about. Instead, I can just decide to coexist here on this land, that I can just be level with the playing field of it all, you know? And in fact, I'm not even high on it, even though I have my home here. But really, in actuality, my home is no more important on this land than the Robin's home is. And it might be bigger, but it holds no deeper value, no stronger hold, really. And I think that that's something that I'm always learning, and it just takes me back to such a deeply humility, humbled spot of my value in life in a good way. Like it's just living out here and taking that mindset has been huge. And I think maybe that's why I haven't like deeply pursued things like decorating my house perfectly right now is because I enjoy the connection outside more than the way things look inside. And yeah, I don't know. Lots of thoughts. And this is getting long and I don't want to take too much of your time today. But if you have questions, I'm always more than happy to answer them. You can message me or email me, whatever you would like. But I hope you guys just enjoyed the story. I've just been asked about it a lot and I feel like I don't always have time to respond to everything. But I 
at least want a resource if you guys are interested in this story. And even my perspective on what it is to have this land and this responsibility on my shoulders. And I hope if you yourself are privileged enough to have land as well, like you venture into that idea if you haven't yet, because it sounds odd, I think, because it's so against that Western (laughs) concept of land ownership. But I have found it deeply life-giving for myself. So I hope that you enjoy kind of pursuing that. And if you have any questions about it, like how to find that out, I have some resources below about finding out like the native land you are on. So you can research it and find out more about it because it's fascinating. And our land tells a story that goes far beyond us. We are just here to tend to it in the time that we are alive on that land. And we cannot see it more than that. And tending is a interesting word all on its own. But all that to say, I hope you guys found this wonderful today. And let's see. I will tell you what we're going to talk about next week. Um, We will be talking about what to be planting in August. Yes, you can still plant in August. It's a little bit odd what you can plant in August, but these are things that surprisingly do incredibly well in the cold. And I promise you that you may even be harvesting some of these if we have a nice temperate fall, which the farmer's not almanac says we won't here in the North, but you can still get a pretty good harvest out of these nonetheless. And I've harvested some of these things all the way to December. Yes. For Christmas dinner. So We'll talk about that next week. Until then, don't miss our Friday meditation. You guys will enjoy it this week. And until then, I'll see you out there, friends. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> 